Andy Jenkins here. I am in the kitchen, actually. I'm set up because, uh, goodness, you know, I think I hop all over the house to do the podcast. Uh, kind of the great thing about working from home is you really can just work anywhere, and it's so convenient. All of those things, easily distractible, of, of course, obviously, but I, I really love recording in my office because I have this massive window that overlooks just the woods and uh, this ravine. You know, it's 100 yards over to the nearest neighbor. Uh, the deer often come through there when I'm out recording. And then many times, I actually have a setup. Some of you have seen the picture uh, where there is an actual um, kind of mini studio down in the garage. Uh, half the garage is a shipping station where we have books and uh, all of the materials and some t-shirts and hats. And so when you order something off the website, a lot of times it's generated there. And on one of the work tables, I found strangely enough that that is one of the best places, one of the most uh, undistractable or indistractable or distraction-free, uh, whatever the case it would be, environments to record audiobooks and other uh, types of uh, listening driven content that we release on the website. And so that's been one of my favorite places. But today, Beth and I are actually rolling out uh, more episodes of a new project. And so I'm already set up at the kitchen table and thought, well, let's just jump in right here and make a go of it. Now, let me tell you really briefly two things. Here's what we do on this podcast. This website, this podcast, Jenkins.tv, it's really designed to help you find and fulfill your purpose, to help you figure out what on the world are you here to do? What has God uniquely placed you here for? I believe that everyone here is a gift. They carry something that no one else quite carries in the same way that they carry it. Uh, you think about even the what we would call supernatural gifts or spiritual gifts that you have are all filtered through a personality, and those are all filtered through past experience. And you know, when you really start realizing that God created uniquely in such a way that there's only one you, and when you realize that He really takes all things and works everything together for the good. He synergizes and pulls it all in such a way to where there is no other opportunity that we're going to encounter like you. And so we really want to help people find and fulfill their purpose. That's what we do on this website. And so that's why you find books on here like The Purpose Book. Uh, I'll put a link down in the show notes below where you can grab that. I think it's about five bucks. You pay the shipping and handling. We send it to you and there are QR codes in there that'll take you to some assessments. Those are all free. There are some video bonuses that, again, QR code while you're reading the book and it'll pull it up totally free, really to help you start that journey of finding and fulfilling what you're here for. Or, you know, as the case is, so often we get to the middle of life and you, you might have thought you knew what it was uh, and then just something derailed you. It, it might be a negative. It, it might be a tough chapter in life that you walk through. It, it might even be some positives. You know, you, you have a string of kids and the joys of life. Uh, and so that chapter necessitates focusing on those things. Uh, it might be some positives. You succeeded in business and you really found a calling there and you've created some margin and space in your life. And so now you think, well, okay, that's working. Now what? What's next? 
And so whatever the case, wherever you are, uh, it might be that you're reorganizing that purpose or you've always known or you just need some confirmation. That tool is available for you. And, and then here is a barrier that so often people hit is if you have pain from the past, unprocessed hurts, many times you will in the present live out of the grid of that past pain. And so there are some tools that we've provided for you as well. Uh, in fact, in the show notes below, there is a, I just call it the best of soul wholeness audio. Uh, soul wholeness is an audiobook that I recorded. Oh goodness. It was about three years ago that really walks you through three of the most common soul wounds that I really believe at some degree we all face, whether that's number one triggers from the past where in the present we'll respond in such a way that we're interpreting the present in light of the past. Now you can see how that would trip you up from walking in your purpose. Uh, also another soul wound, guilt and shame. You know, guilt is this, oh, I did something wrong. Shame is a whole nother level of, oh, I am something wrong. It's when you start taking on those deeds as an identity. And the trouble is so often those deeds uh, that we've done can mark us permanently. And so often the deeds where we don't even have guilt, something was done to you can mark us as our identity in the same way. And we really don't want to be defined by either one of those. And then the third soul wound is really what we would call soul ties. That's when your heart is attached to the wrong thing in the wrong way, or it's attached to the right things in the wrong way. We want our hearts to be healthy and whole and pure and, and to be guarded so that they can be given fully to the correct things in the most healthy way possible. And so soul wholeness will talk you through those three common soul wounds. And then I'll give you another chapter follow-up that's like, okay, here, let's define it. Let's define what the problem is. Let's step into our potential. Here's the problem. Let's step into the potential. Here's the problem. Number three, let's step into the potential. So I've pulled the best, uh, really, uh, not necessarily the best, but the kind of the essence of that book and place that down there for you. So I'd love for you to take a look at that. Uh, anyway, that's kind of a catch-up on everything that's going here. Let me now uh, shift in and pick up where we left off. We're in the middle of this Future Grace series, and I've talked you through episode one and episode two of that. This one is literally titled, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, just like the movie. And I, I titled it before it won the Oscar. I released it, and then I went back and did a sound check. And for some reason, in the uploading process, the sound of all of this was just so wonky. I thought, uh, let's just, uh, man, let's just drop it and re-record. <laughs> so that's where we're at. But I, but I thought, you know, I really want to keep the title. And I think once you understand the title of that, whether you've seen the movie or not, uh, full disclosure, I've, I've not yet. Now, I've got a 22-year-old that has probably seen every movie that's ever come out, especially anything that's won any kind of an award multiple times. She invited me to see this, and then I just couldn't make it. I had a work obligation, and she said, oh, well, it's not a big deal. I've already seen it seven times. You were, you were going to be the eighth run-through. But when you lock onto that title, and when you... Get into your head. All right, so somehow God is going to pull all things together 
for our good. And when you say, well, if that's true, it's got to be spiritually true. It's got to be scientifically true. It's got to make sense on every single level. Not that we can comprehend completely the mind of God, but it's got to all fit. I really think that is a great, great, great title. Literally everything all at once. Let me give you the backstory on how I got here. So I remember sitting at my desk in second grade at Katy Elementary, and I was getting taught something that was completely mind-blowing at the time. Now, now this sounds like, oh yeah, we all know that. But, but then the teacher said something like this. The sun is 93 million miles from the earth, and it takes the sun's rays eight minutes to get from there to here. Now, the teacher finished dropping that fact, kind of sketching it out on the chalkboard. No whiteboard back then, chalkboard. Uh, we had some colored chalk. <laughs> that was the upgrade of technology. Hands are shooting up all around the room. Okay, so this is the era when kids spend a lot of time outdoors, no time on personal devices. Everybody has this keen interest in rockets and shuttles and comets. In fact, it was around the same time period. We lived, Katie is right outside of Houston. I actually wrote a letter to NASA, to the offices in Houston, and said, hey, I'm a kid, and we're studying some space stuff. Uh, I would like it if you would send me whatever you have that you can give. And I mean, three weeks later, I received this massive packet. It was probably an inch thick of photographs and blueprints of rockets and all of this data on NASA that was really curated to send to kids like me. That's the era that you're living in. So, hand raised, classmate asked, so the light that we're seeing right now, I mean, he literally looks outside the window right there, this wall of windows where you could oversee the playground. The light right there, literally, he says, is not happening right now. And Miss Long, that was the teacher, she says, well, it is, but it isn't. Now, Miss Long was an incredible woman. She had just come back from her honeymoon. Uh, the first week of class that year, <laughs> this is completely irrelevant to the story that I'm telling you, but she told us that she was getting married that fall, and so her name would be changing. Uh, we'd all met her husband because he would come, he worked a couple blocks away, and he would come to school, you know, two or three times a week to see her during lunch. He would sit there at the teacher's table. He would peek in and talk. This was, again, completely different era when visitors can do that now. You can't even get in the front door if you're a parent with good reason. And it's a safety concern. She had been Miss Tribes, not Miss Long. Now, I remember as soon as she disclosed first, second day of school, the impending nuptials, all the girls in the class all want to know what her new name was going to be. So they raised their hands. Of course, that's what we did back then to ask. Now, this is back in the 80s. Right, Kids still have manners. <laughs> any child could be spanked by any supervising adult. Honor seemed to rule the day in things common, such as ma'am or sir, and waiting to be called upon when you're speaking in class. So that said, when she announces this, I mean, all the kids just blurt. You know, like there's no raise the hand on. I'm getting married. It's like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, you know, and another person, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, what, what's your name going to be? When's the wedding? What, what's your dress? I, I, all these questions, I mean, from the earliest days. Well, after exhausting every name that we knew in the classroom, everybody gets in this, guys and gals, everybody, 
uh, we start asking for a hint. And so she tells us four letters. My last name has four letters. Well, that didn't help. And we had already guessed four-letter words, good four-letter words. Uh, Can we have another hint? Well, she gives us the clue that it will move her up in the alphabet. So she's going to move from a T, tribes, up in the alphabet, which of course is, you know, she'll get to go first or get to go sooner in line. All the guys are thinking, well, that's not fair. I'm kind of stuck with my last name. I'm always in line where I'm in line because we did it alphabetical a lot. And all the girls are thinking, all right, this is my turn to kind of level up. Um, So we're guessing every four-letter word, have, H-A-V-E, right? One of the deskmates at my table proposes that. Her new name is Miss Have. I mean, any word we could think of that contained four letters, that is it. Anything that exists in the dictionary before tribes. Uh, Things like bear, car, Cars, plural, cold, blue. And we guessed animals, inventions, weather conditions, rain, colors, uh, anything. Eventually, she invited us to get back to the discussion at hand and offered us a prize if we could guess what her name was before the wedding. We never got it right, ever. So, off Miss Tribes went to her wedding, Miss M.S., Back she came as Mrs. Long. And that's literally, we found out her name when she arrived with cupcakes for the entire class after the wedding. So we are jazzed up on cupcake sugar, and there we are on this day. This is how this all fits together. Just awestruck that the light outside, while we're eating our cupcakes, they're looking at the light outside, and the colored chalk on the chalkboard where she's drawing all of this out took 93 million miles to get here and it required eight minutes. I, you know, I always just thought light is just instant, but there it is. She tells us the light you now see left the sun eight minutes ago. She repeated it. It it comes to us really super fast. It's so fast. Light travels so fast, even faster than Superman. Now, I sat in disbelief. This is the era when the Star Wars movies are cranking out. It's the time period when Superman is up and out. We all knew Superman was faster than a speeding bullet, able to stop a locomotive, could leap a tall building with a single bound. But we didn't realize there was anything faster than Superman. Not even the light of the sun. So, Miss Now Long not tribes, continues. Again, the classroom, eating cupcakes, hyped up on sugar. Light is so much faster that we measure how it travels in a full year. You know, this is just shocking for a kid. We call that distance a light year. So if something is four light years away from the earth, that means it's a really big distance. Life is fast, it travels far, so a light year is the distance away from the earth that the light would get if we moved in one direction, four light years away, for four full years. So the sun is not a light year away then. That came from the back of the classroom. That's right. It's not a light year. It's just minutes. Again, now the newly crowned Mrs. Long is explaining this. 
But we get an idea of how far a light year is because the sun's light gets here in just eight minutes, even though it travels 93 million miles to make that journey. Now, at some point in this conversation, I remember asking Mrs. Long, so if I was standing on the sun and I looked back at the earth, so I'm flipping it. I'm doing it backwards now. I remember, oh, you'd burn up, one of the kids says. <laughs> you know, oh, man, like it's going around. Chuckles, giggles, wafting through the room, half driven by groupthink, half driven by guys piling on each other, half driven by sugar. No, let him finish, the teacher interjected. Then she asked, what do you think would happen, Andy, if you could stand on the sun, if you could stand on there without burning up and look back at the earth, what do you think would occur if you had a powerful enough telescope? And, and we did. We had a telescope in the corner of the room. I guess I said that everything I see would have happened eight minutes ago. It's a question, not a statement. That's right, she confirmed. You would have to have a really strong telescope, stronger than the one in the corner of the room, but you would be looking back in time eight minutes. Now, you know, years later, decades later, I, I learned that Albert Einstein said that time is relative. Now think about what's relative right there in that situation. If you're standing on the earth, something is happening in real time. If you're standing on the sun, it looks like it's happening in real time, but really it happened eight minutes ago while your real time is happening to you. You're seeing in your real time, the real time of someone else, eight minutes previous. Okay, so in this way, uh, Einstein, and, and it was way more complex than that. I'm radically oversimplifying. He didn't reject the existence of time. Rather, he rejected the distinction between past, present, and future. Now, there is a book I'll refer you to that's not about science. Gay Hendricks has a book uh, called The Big Leap. And in that book, he says, uh, well, there's an entire chapter about it called Einstein Time. Einstein time is when you get involved in something uh, so much that you're aware of what you're doing and enjoying it that you actually lose comprehension of time. Time seems to, in those moments, completely slow down in the absolute best way possible. You might have heard the statement, oh, time flies when you're having fun. Well, it, it really doesn't. Uh, it seems to fly when you get to the end of that experience and you look back and go, oh, that was quick. But when it happened, you were in it and you were engrossed in it and it just seemed to suspend in the best way possible. It does this for me when I'm uh, sitting down and writing sometimes. I will get engrossed in it and I just it just suspends. There are times when I walked in, I literally left to go to an all-day conference yesterday. I left about 8.30 in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. I came back, uh, you know, 4, 5. Beth was still sitting in the chair in the office working on the edits for a workbook for the Amplify project that we've got going on. And, you know, I just looked at her and I said, you've been here all day. And she said, yeah, I've only gotten up one or two times to check on one of the kids that was sick. What happened? She got into it and time just slowed down. Okay, time is relevant. Now, it slowed down in a beautiful way then. If you're doing something that you don't enjoy, uh, you know, it will feel like, oh man, so slow. But, but time is 
And, and that kind of proves it too. It feels so slow, like it won't move on. It's relative in so many more ways than you and I realize. Now think about, uh, let's just layer another example on this. Think about the Hubble telescope and what it sees. So the Hubble telescope was sent out uh, from the Earth you know, decades ago, and it travels, and it's snapping all these pictures. It's traveling, and at the same time it's traveling, it is in one location in time and space. It is snapping pictures from a different location in time and space, and it's all happening concurrently, yet we know that that light is traveling light years, and at the speed of light years to us, you know, 93 million miles takes eight minutes type to break it down in light years. It's going that fast. And so this, quote, real time is seeing things being sent back that don't even exist anymore. Yet the Hubble telescope is showing them to us in the present, yet the star patterns and the weather patterns and the universe, even in that moment that we go, oh, look at this. This is right now. It has changed years, decades, multiple decades, probably even, if it could see that far, centuries ago. You get it? Time, relative. Now, that day in school, and I promise, there are going to be spiritual undertones and even spiritual overtones to all of this. That day in school, sitting there talking about the sun while eating cupcakes from the wedding <laughs> nuptials, I learned that Alpha Centauri, so Alpha Centauri is a star, it is just over four light years away. Uh at that time, I did not understand that Alpha Centauri is a three-star constellation, nor did I know that Proxima Centauri was the biggest of the three stars. Didn't have all those details. I only knew uh, about the Big Dipper as the only constellation. Uh, and, and the only star that I knew at that time, besides the sun, which we were just baffled, you know, oh, this is a star. The only other star I knew about was the North Star. Now, apply what I learned in school that day after I've talked about Alpha Centauri, okay, four light years away. If you could beam over, like Star Trek, just move from here to there, four light years away. Uh, you could warp speed it, whatever. And then turn around from Alpha Centauri and look back at the Earth with a strong enough telescope, assuming you could do that and survive it. You would see what you were doing, what you were doing on Earth four years ago. Like if you could just beam over there right now, or if somebody was there looking back at you, they wouldn't see you right now. They would see you four years ago. Or if you're here and you're looking at them there, you wouldn't see them there now. You would see them there what they were doing four years ago. Why? Because light travels at a certain speed, really far distances. So we see it in our real time, but it really happened at a different time. Again, the sun's light that we're seeing now is eight minutes old. The light from Alpha Centauri that we're seeing now is four years old. Actually, it would be 4.37 years old because they're 4.37 light years away. So, so that means you would be looking back in time 1,596 days. Do the math. And then think about it this way. On Alpha Centauri, this actual moment in which you hold this uh, smartphone in your hand, 
or the AirPods in your ear or the steering wheel that you're driving in your car as you're listening, remember, they would not see this until four years from now, right? Even though it's real time in this moment. Now, I, I get it. You know, you might not want to look back 4.37 years. <laughs> you might want to just leave the past in the past, let sleeping dogs lie. But you get the point. Time is relevant. And what you see, past, present, or even what you see in the future, it depends on where you are. Part of that even depends on who you are. Let's think bigger. There's a planet about 300 light years from Earth that's five times the size of Jupiter, HD 95086B, as it's called. Let me repeat that. It's not important. HD 95086B. It's mostly gaseous, and it was discovered uh, years ago. Now, now think about this. It's 300 light years away. So think about what was happening approximately 300 years ago here. So that means if somebody is on that planet, HD 95086B, if they're there right now, looking back in time 300 years ago on Earth in a telescope, what they're seeing now in their real time is, well, the Civil War hadn't yet occurred. The American Revolution wasn't yet even a thought. They are looking back at 1720-ish. Let's go farther. In the midst of the constellation Cygnus, there's a planet referred to as Einstein's planet. Officially, it is Kepler-76b. Uh, that planet sits, now catch this, approximately 2,000 light years away from Earth. So if you were standing on, or if someone else was standing on Kepler-76b right now, even though the person standing right now on HD 95086b, 300 light years away, is seeing 1720, the person on Kepler-76b, 2,000 light years away, is seeing other things right now in real time with a powerful telescope. Because why? The light from the Earth takes 2,000 years to get there, so if they have a strong enough telescope, they see it in real time, the virgin birth. Jesus turning water to wine. The lame walking, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing right this moment now. Uh, they also see, uh, perhaps if they get a little farther, Elisha raised the widow's son back to life. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Lazarus walked forth from the empty tomb. Jesus raised from the dead. The saints Matthew mentions walking the streets post-mortem that I've talked about in previous episodes. Depending on where you are on the continuum of the light years away from earth right now, it all happens at the exact same time even though we are years apart, we all see it concurrently. In fact, think about it even farther. You know, if I could just find the spot 7,000 light years away, and I get it, this is controversial. Some people say, well, the universe wasn't created 7,000 years ago, it was created. You know, I, I get it, right? Let's just agree to disagree. Let's just think hypothetically here. If I could see what was happening 7,000 light years away, I could turn around and look back and see God call forth everything into existence 
out of the void, which consequently, I think, has something to do with why the universe continues expanding. So I believe God called forth the universe with a word, and since Scripture says His word does not return void, it keeps manifesting fruit forth going in the future. He says in the beginning, let there be light, and just boom, it just explodes, it just uh, combusts, it just, we just call it bang, it just happens, and it continues the light from that moment expanding and going in every direction. Now, mind you, not just on a timeline, not just forwards and backwards, left and right, but forwards, backwards, up, down, sideways, at every single angle, up, down, every single angle all around like a sphere and even more, probably even more than you could imagine. And it seems to me that this expansion would continue happening indefinitely, repeatedly, because the heavens continue declaring His glory is what Scripture says. And so when you see it at any snapshot in real time, not only are the stars that are being left behind in its wake, of this continual ongoing creation saying something right now, four light years away, 300 light years away, 2,000 light years away, but at every instant when something new transpires and it passes at the speed of hundreds of thousands of miles an instant. Ah, think about it. Like, you know, yeah, if I could see what was happening 4,100 years ago from 4,100 light years away from here, I could look back and see Abraham being called by God, the father of our faith. That's 2100 BC-ish. That means, get, get this, when he spared Isaac, God spared Isaac, and Abraham was told by the angel that the Lord will provide a sacrifice, and the sacrifice of the ram was caught in the thicket there, and then the ram is sacrificed, I could see Jesus as that very sacrifice. Some people say it was on the same mountain. I could see both of those events, the prophetic declaration of it and the real-time occurrence happening in the future at the same moment if I stood on Einstein's planet. You see? Uh, And if I could move to the precise place in the future when Jesus returns for the dead in Christ, as Scripture promises, whenever that happens, that means... Like I said in the first episode of this series, I could watch Pop, my paternal grandfather, stand from his grave uh, near the slightly smaller-than-remembered tree just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. In other words, here's what I'm saying. Even though you and I experience life in a linear form, uh, because that's the only way we could handle it, we couldn't handle everything all at once. We would just emotionally and mentally and every other way spiritually just kind of explode, probably even physically, even though we can't handle it. It is, as Einstein says, completely relative. What you see depends on in that moment where you stand and when you look back. And then there's this, another layer, since God isn't bound by time or geographic place in the way that you and I are, since he's literally everywhere on the time-space continuum, everywhere, forwards, backwards, up, down, sideways, all around in every direction that light is expanding right now, since he's everywhere 
all at once, literally everywhere all at once. That means from his unique perspective, all of the events throughout all of history, all of the big events throughout all of history, whether that is the universe being called forth, whether that is the prophetic declarations, every single declaration of what Jesus was going to show up on the planet and do, the fulfillment of everything that he actually did, and the ongoing ramifications in real time and space to us of what he achieved on our behalf, and the practical living it out and applying those principles of grace and empowerment and forgiveness and freedom to other people literally occur everything, everywhere, all at once. See, time is a gift. We couldn't handle the flow of everyone, all the beautiful, everyone things, all the calamity and pain of all of the hurtful things. We couldn't catch it all at once. There's just no way. But why does it work? And why do we know that we can trust that it all wraps up together? It's because the author and finisher of the faith isn't wondering how the story ends. The author, the completer, the finisher of the faith is literally holding it all together. Not just the things in this moment, but the things that happen in all of history at all moments, literally holding those all together. Everything, literally, everywhere, all at once. Do you see it? My prayer for you is that it would bring you an ease amidst the pain, a hope amidst the struggle, a freedom to slow down and enjoy amidst the promises of the fun and the pleasure. Grace, peace, I'll see you in the next episode.